Hallelujah. Let's call on the name of Jesus tonight. Somebody just shout the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I think we ought to give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. It feels good in the house of the Lord. It's good to worship Jesus. Amen. We sang a lot about the name of Jesus. And, you know, there's many out there in our world that would say, what's so big about a name? And what, what power is there in a name? Now, if you're talking about the name Jim or Bill or Evan or Don or any other name out there, you know, you, you, get, you, get a little, you get a little ways with it. But when you speak the name of Jesus, the Bible says it is a name that is above every name. And that at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. In other words, there is power in the name of Jesus. This is why we baptize people in the name of Jesus. Because it washes all their sins away. This is why we worship in the name of Jesus. Because shackles fall off of hands and off of feet. If you've encountered the power of Jesus' name, give him a shout. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord on this Wednesday evening service. We've been so thankful for the presence of God that we feel in the church house today. Amen. It's, I love when we get momentum going. I thank God for His Spirit moving on Sunday. And we can just continue on in this until Jesus comes back. And just continue in this worship and this atmosphere. I feel so much liberty in the house of the Lord. Amen. Thank God for that. Amen. As you're turning your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6, and beginning in verse number 25, I want to uh, say a great big welcome to Resme and Orica. These are our new friends. We're so glad to have them in church today. Amen. Amen. We just want to say welcome home. Amen. Make yourself at home. Hallelujah. They say the water's fine. Come on in. Hallelujah. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. The Bible declares this. Jesus speaking. He's teaching, and we're going to continue on in this. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Isn't there more to life? You ever ask that question? There's got to be more to life. There's got to be more to life than just paying bills. There's got to be more to life than just eating. There's got to be more to life than just the, the temporary pleasures. And Jesus is reminding us that there is more to life. There is more to life. He said, Behold, the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they, re neither do they reap, nor do they gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Another writer puts it, he said, Aren't you much better than a few sparrows? If God takes care of the little birds, he can take care of you. Amen. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature, either adding 
an inch to your height. I know there's some folks, there's some, we got some short kings in the house of the Lord. You wish you could add a little height. You can't. But that also translates, can you add a year to your life? Don't, wouldn't you love that? To just be able to add a little more time uh, to your life, a little more height, whatever the case may be. He said, which of you thinking about it can make it happen? The answer is nobody. And why take you thought for your raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. They don't weave cloth together. They don't sew garments. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these men. Not the finest clothing out there can mimic what God did for just a little fella, a little flower in a field somewhere. He said, wherefore... If God clothed the grass of the field, which is today, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he, not, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? In other words, he's, he's just reminding us that God can be trusted to take care of you. You can trust in God to take care of your every need, your great needs and your little needs. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth what you have need of, that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. We'll talk more about that next week. Amen. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For, the, for tomorrow shall take care of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, tomorrow's going to come with its good things and it's going to come with its challenges. There is no need to worry and to stress about tomorrow. There is no need to be anxious about tomorrow because we know the God that holds tomorrow in the palm of his hand. Amen. And I want to teach to us, we're going to continue on in Holy Habits Part 8. Amen. And I want to talk to us about trusting God. Amen. Trusting God. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is in this place. And I pray that we would receive his word with gladness. And I'm praying that, Lord, you would teach us what we need to receive so that we can grow in the knowledge of you. God, grow in the faith that we need to have, oh God. In the midst of a generation that's losing faith, oh God, help us to have faith in your word. God, in a world that doesn't know who they can trust and who they can turn to, I pray, God, help us to trust in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Amen. Matthew 6 and 25 reads it this way in the Amplified Version. Therefore, I tell you, this is going to be, it's, it's real cute in the King James Version. It makes us feel real nice. He's, he's saying it in a way that is palatable. But man, you start reading it in some of those other translations, Jesus is being very straight. He said, therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. Man, that hurts sometimes, doesn't it? I feel that sometimes. What you shall eat and what you shall drink or about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life greater in quality than food and the body far above and more excellent than clothing? 
Jesus is commanding us through his word. And it's and again, just like any other commandment of God, it's a lot easier said than done. Jesus is commanding us. Do not be worried. Anybody that's ever dealt with worry, you understand that it's a lot more difficult, you know, to tell somebody, just trust God, brother. <laughs> uh, man, it feels so good to tell other people that. It's not so fun when you have to receive that yourself. Amen. Uh, but I practice what I preach too. Amen. So, uh, but Jesus is literally saying that. Don't, do not be worried. This is how strict this commandment from Jesus is. It means stop fretting, being weighed down with cares, being distracted, being distressed, being troubled. Clearly, he is letting us know it is God's will for his children that they should not worry. Amen. It is the will of God that instead of worrying, we should trust in Jesus. This is important. Amen. For us to hold on and to remember, because in moments you will come to points where you don't know what to do and you are at an impasse and inevitably you are going to have to be reminded of truth in the midst of your feelings. And in considering the will of God and wondering what is the will of God, I may not always know what the will of God is, but I know what the will of God is not. It is not the will of God that we should be anxious and stressed out all the time. Amen. I may not know the next step to take, but I know what step not to take. And the step not to take is to allow this to overcome me, to allow this to become something that keeps me bound up. It is not the will of God that the people of God should be so stressed out and anxious and worried all the time. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is not the will of God for you, for your family, to have uh, mental breakdowns and anxiety attacks. And I understand that life hits us and sometimes we don't know what to do. Amen. And, and, there, and I'm going to teach us here tonight how to overcome that stuff. Amen. But it is not God's will. If it was up to God, that stuff wouldn't be happening. If it was up to God, if we let him have control, if we put our trust back where it counts and back where it matters, amen, we wouldn't have to struggle with that stuff anymore. Amen. God doesn't want us to stress out. A biblical synonym of the word worry is the word fret. Amen. It's derived from an old English uh, word, fretan, which simply means to devour or consume. It literally means that when we worry, when we fret, it eats and it gnaws away at. Amen. Worry chews away and it gnaws at you and it gnaws away and it consumes our peace one bite at a time it consumes your joy one bite at a time you know there's a few quotes i found about worry today they say worry gives a small thing a big shadow worry is the interest we pay on tomorrow's troubles worry over tomorrow creates dark clouds over today's sunshine worry is like a rocking chair it will give you something to do but it won't get you anywhere. Worry is an indication that we think God can't look after us. Worry is putting question marks where God put periods. Worry is an intrusion into God's providence. Worry is a guest that once admitted quickly becomes your master. Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today 
of its strength. Worry is practical atheism, and ultimately it is an affront to God. Because when we really break it down, what is worry? Worry is merely unbelief parading around in disguise. Amen. I, I put it this way. Worry is a hidden atheism. It is an atheism is, the, is, is to not believe in God. When we worry, worry is excessive concern over the affairs of life. The key word here is excessive. Amen. Everybody has worries. Everybody has stress. Everybody goes through those moments. But the decision that we make to allow it to continue and to perpetuate equals the kind of worry I'm talking about tonight. Worry happens when we are so concerned about problems of life that we can't think about anything else. It's that all-consuming feeling of uncertainty and fear. And I want to help us here today. When we're talking about this kind of worry, this level of worry is a sin. Amen. The church got to be careful that we don't give ourselves over to worry and over to anxiety and over to stress. I'm not talking about having a moment, but it's in that moment you've got a decision to make. Will I choose to trust God or will I choose to be the master over my own life? Will I choose to trust God in this moment or will I choose to continue to try to control things that are outside my control, worry about them, stress about them, allow them to consume me and eat away at my joy and my peace? It's in that moment we've got to be careful, church. Amen. I want to help us. Worry is This kind of worry is a sin for two reasons. Number one, it's because it displaces God in your life. God is not meant to be in a box in your life that you pull out at any moment when you want to get a hold of him. I'll put it this way. God is not a vending machine. Hallelujah. You don't just put in a coin and get God come out and do whatever you want him to do. Amen. God is not meant to be in a box in your life where you just put him off to the side and whenever you want to pull him out of the attic, you pull him out of the attic. Amen. God is meant to be on the throne of your life. He's meant to sit as the Lord of your life. This is what the Bible's really saying when it says nobody can call Jesus Lord but by the Holy Ghost. That doesn't mean that you can't say, being full of the devil, Jesus is Lord. Amen. People full of the devil can use that same phrase. But when somebody is really filled with the Holy Ghost, they have the ability to submit themselves under the auspice of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They're able to take their worries, their stresses, and their anxiety, and they're able to submit it under the throne of Jesus and say, Lord, I trust you about this. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. <laughs> Hallelujah. When people say Jesus is Lord, they make him Lord. They made sure that God is in the right position. But when we allow worry and stress to take over in our life, we take God off the throne, and often that means we put ourselves on the throne. We take God out of his position of being God, being provider, being protector, being the one that is divinely, amen, providing everything that we have need of. We put ourselves on that throne and say, Lord, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And any time we put something before God, it's an idol. And often we have put worry and stress and anxiety over God. I know people, they know a whole lot about their trial, and they know a whole lot about their struggle, and they know a whole lot about their mountain, and they always want to tell God how big their mountain is, but they forgot how big God is. 
I've come to play tonight. There's some folks that if you would give God your mountain, you'd realize it's a molehill. If you would just put God back on the throne and back in the right position and say, Lord, this is too big for me, but it ain't nothing to you. You put God back on the throne, it makes God big and your problems small. It makes God great and it makes every worry and stress and anxiety nothing in comparison to the eternity of Jesus. Amen. When we commit the sin of worry, we are living as though God does not exist. Not only do we displace God, but sometimes we eradicate God altogether. We don't pray about it because we don't really believe prayer makes a difference. This is, this is where we start fighting the fight of faith. And I'll be preaching on this here soon. Amen. Where we are, if we're not careful, we will start saying phrases of faith, but living opposite of our phrases of faith. It sounds real good on Facebook, but it doesn't live right in our lives. And so we say, I believe God, I trust God, until it comes a moment where you have to trust God and you do what Abraham does. Well, I trust God to give me a child, and uh, when the time gets tough, he says, well, uh, where's Hagar at? Right. What does that look like? Worry and stress is where you start coming up with plan B's when God doesn't have a plan B. God doesn't have a backup plan. Trusting in God is saying, Lord, I know your plan is the only plan. Your way is the only way. And I'm not going to take you out of your throne and I'm not going to erase you as if you don't exist because, God, I need your help in my life. Amen. When we take it and make it like God doesn't exist, we are no different. The Bible says the fool is said in their heart. There is no God. And we say, man, that's just like everybody in the world. There's some folks sitting on the pew right next to you that have been living real foolish this week. Because they've said in their heart, not to you, not in praise and worship. They've said in their heart there is no God. Because their actions are now proving they don't really believe in God. Oh, brother, I, I believe God. I trust God until you have to. And then you go and do the opposite of what it would mean to trust God. And so you start living in number one position. You either put yourself on the throne in the place of God or you just forget about God altogether. And you live as though you alone can solve your problems. Amen. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a problem here, folks. Uh, amen. Because if we fall into the sin of worry, we will start becoming distracted from the things that really matter in life. Because we are so worried about the things, amen, that Jesus told us not to worry about that we start taking, as I preach about on Sunday, burdens that God does not want us to carry. And we start avoiding the burdens that God does want us to carry. Well, I, I, man, I'd love to be forgiving, but I'm just so burdened right now. And you snap at, at just anybody that comes along uh, because you picked up a burden and you dropped the one that God wanted you to carry. The burden God wanted you to carry was to be forgiving, merciful, loving. And instead, you picked up the burden of I'll take care of it myself. And now you feel as if you have the excuse to snap at anybody at the moment's notice. That's not the will of God. Amen. As long as we are worrying, we can't do anything else. We are so focused on the present struggle, we are being strangled by worry. I'm going to deliver somebody of worry here tonight. Amen. A specific characteristic of worry is a negative focus on the future. Amen. If you are a worrier here, to here today, you are spending time speculating on what may or may not happen and always fearing the worst. We got some pessimists in the house. God's going to deliver you today of that. Amen. If you'll let him. Because you don't have to live that way. We live by faith. We don't live by worry. 
We live by faith. We don't live by worry. We live by faith, not by pessimism. We live by faith that God has got it under control. We live by trust in the one that's got our tomorrow in his hand. And even if I don't see the tomorrow, he's already there. He's already got it planned out. Furthermore, I trust him at his word. And the word of God declares that we know. Everybody say, we know. One plus one is, you know that. Nobody can teach you anything differently. You won't believe anything differently. Why? Because you know it. You know one plus one is two. You know it's a fact. And the Bible says we know all things work together for those that love God, for good, for those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. In other words, it's a fact. And when I allow myself to be given over and strangled by worry, I am now saying I don't believe that fact. I don't believe that God's going to work it out for good. That doesn't mean everything you go through in life will be good. But trust says, no matter what I go through, God is going to equate this to something really good in my life. Hallelujah. Because God's got my best interest at heart. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Worry shifts focus of attention from the all-sufficient power of Christ Onto our human insufficiency and insecurity. Well, I just can't. Man, that you're just one step away from the kingdom. You're right. You can. Hallelujah. The next step is realizing who can. I can't handle it. You're right. Good job. Now let's figure out who can handle it. Jesus can handle it. You're not too far from the kingdom. But if you allow yourself to be strangled by worry and by stress and by anxiety, you'll just be drowned in the fact that you can't. And you will remove yourself from the fact that Jesus can. And what when trust comes in is trust steps in and says, all right, worry, get out of the way. Now we're going to rely on the one that is able to get us out of this. We're going to rely on the one that can make a difference. We're going to rely on the one that can change things. We're going to rely on Jesus Christ alone. When we give in to worry, we put ourselves in God's throne We are stating that we are in charge, that we are in control, and ultimately that we are responsible for the outcome. Let me help you here today. You are not responsible for the outcome. You know why we worry? Because we're living in a fictitious tomorrow. We're stressed about the outcome. But God has told us, do not stress about the outcome. I've seen people, they're so busy stressed about the outcome, they forget the input. I'm so worried about where I'll be in 20 years, I'm paralyzed and do nothing today. I'll tell you where you'll be in 20 years if you're paralyzed today. You'll be exactly where you are in 20 years. You'll just have more wrinkles and less hair and gray. Praise God. Because you've allowed yourself to be to be drowned by worry and by stress and by anxiety. And you're so worried about the outcome that you don't put in what God has told you to do. And God has said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what's coming. You just worry about today. And, and not worry like I'm, like I'm preaching about right now. He said, you just focus on today. You let me take care of tomorrow. You let me take care of your needs. You just focus on what you got to do, what you got to input. And when you focus on the input, you'll get the right outcome. Ultimately, worry can undermine our Christian witness by presenting God as impotent and unworthy of praise because he's a God that can't even take care of the small things. You know, some folks that they they say, man, I got faith God can heal cancer, and I praise God for that. We believe God can heal cancer. You know, God can heal a headache too. 
my goodness, you know, if we're if we're not if we're not careful, we'll be guilty of 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 of, of unbelief in the small things. God can get you. God can God can bless you and he can take care of your future and help you get to retirement. But he can help you get to help you get a job today. <laughs> he can do the little things, too. He can take care of the small and he can take care of the great. And notice how Jesus, when he's talking about it, he said, I can take care of little sparrows. Amen. Little sparrows that to you are insignificant. And God's saying, I focus on the little things uh, and that should give you faith to know I take care of the big things as well. Trusting God is understanding that he takes care of the minute details, that God focuses on the little things, and God, who pays attention to detail, doesn't miss anything. Well, well, well you know, when we get worried, we start thinking, well, what if, what if God misses this? Well, well what about that? What, and we start thinking we've thought of something God hasn't thought about. He thinks about everything. He's all-knowing. Amen. This is why Jesus started dealing with worry and with trust. Amen. Three times in our passage, Jesus repeated the phrase, take no thought. Matthew 6 and 25, he said, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. Matthew 6 and 31, he said, therefore, take no thought. Matthew 6 and 34, he said, take therefore no thought. There are things of life which are necessary. Food, drink, clothing, shelter, so on and so forth. We all know it. There's bills to pay and things to do. And Jesus is trying to let us know that's not what you need to be concerned about. Because those are just things in life that I will make sure that I provide for. Now, let me just clarify something. Jesus does not hint for one single moment that we are to be careless or negligent in our responsibilities. What he's saying is, you just do what I've called you to do. You just be what I've called you to be, and I'll take care of the outcome. You do the input, and I'll take care of it. You get up in the morning. You go to work, and I'll make sure you have strength in your body to go to work. I'll make sure the bills get paid. I'll make sure the promotion's on its way. I'll make sure everything is provided for and taken care of. You just get up and do what I've called you to do. Don't worry about the outcome. You just put in the input. Amen. But what Jesus is really saying in this moment when he says, take no thought, is that his argument is towards our attitude concerning these necessities. Namely, worry, anxiety, and stress when we consider these basic entities of life. Amen. In the first context, he declares anxiety and worry to be unnecessary in the children of such an incredible heavenly father. This is what he says, consider the birds, consider the flowers, and then he equates it to your heavenly father knows them. He feeds them. He clothes them. Notice what he's doing there. He's saying worry and stress and anxiety when you consider your heavenly father who takes care of everything on earth. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When you consider the good father, not your father, maybe not your, maybe not your earthly father, maybe your earthly father was mean to you, but when you consider your heavenly father, he's going to provide for you, he's going to take care of you. So when you consider your heavenly father, he's saying don't worry, don't stress, don't be anxious. He said you just trust in your heavenly father. Praise God. Men, you know, this is why the Bible says we must be converted like little children. You know, we learn to distrust. This, th we learn to distrust. There are, there are children that they have had to learn to distrust. When they come out the womb, they look straight at mom 
you're going to take care of me. They don't even, they're not worried about it. They're not stressed about it. They're not up at night uh, uh, with their calculator trying to figure out how mom's going to make it happen, how dad's going to make it happen. No, they just know it's going to be taken care of. Uh, and, and as they go through life, people drop them and people forget them. And we start learning to distrust because people have failed us. But I want to tell you here today, when it comes to trusting God, other people may have failed you, but Jesus will never fail you. You have come to, I feel the Holy Ghost, you've come too late to tell me that God's not a provider. Jesus will provide for you. I've been through too much, and I've seen too much. My Heavenly Father took care of me. He'll take care of you. God brought me out of the drug home. He can take care of you. God brought me out of the ghetto. God can, God can do it for you. He's no respecter of persons. He'll take care of me. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of everybody else. Somebody give the Lord some praise. Amen. When we consider our Heavenly Father, there's no need to stress. What happens is we need a bigger revelation of our Father in Heaven. We, God has become so small in some of our minds that He is incapable but when we let God get big in our eyes and big in our mind, all of a sudden we realize how great and how grand he is. He can take care of it all. Amen. Furthermore, it didn't just say a loving God. He's your loving heavenly father. He loves you. He cares about you. You know the thing you're stressed about? You know, somebody put it best. If it is big enough for you to stress about, it's big enough for you to pray about. If it's big enough, if it's, if it's enough of a burden that it's weighing you down, it's enough to take it to God in prayer. And to trust that he, 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 he knows what you're going through. And to trust he's big enough to take care of it. Somehow we think we're big enough to take care of it. I handle it on my own. We, se- we seem to think in this generation, in fact, when I'm dealing with people uh, that, is, that, that, that have parent issues, parent problems, this is a, this is a common theme. They have this, this weird chip on their shoulder that says it's somehow a virtue to take care of it on my own. You know, when I, when I popped a tire, I changed my tire. You know, my best friend who had, who had a great dad, great mom, when he popped his tire, you know what he did? He called his dad because that's a healthy person. They recognize I don't have to do this by myself. Let me help somebody here today. You do not have to do this by yourself. And it is a sign of immaturity, and it is a sign of spiritual uh, 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 sickness to think that you can take care of it all on your own and without God's help. Listen, brothers and sisters, we need our Heavenly Father's help. We can't do it on our own. We've got to trust in Him. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify the Lord. Come on, somebody magnify Him here today. Come on, we can trust in Jesus. Come on, we can trust in Jesus. We can trust in our Father to take care of us. We can trust in our Father to take care of that thing I'm stressing about and keeping me up at night, getting me up in the morning. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be strangled by worry. I'm not going to be strangled by anxiety and stress. I'm going to give it to God. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray right now. You can pray about it. You can take it to Jesus. You can talk to God about it. Amen. Amen. I'm almost done here tonight. In the second verse, Jesus declares that anxiety is unworthy or unbecoming of the subjects of his kingdom. This is why he says that when you stress and worry about the basic things of life, he said you're just like the Gentiles or those of another kingdom. The church is not of this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. 
And there should be a difference between us and the other people. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about that we're better than none. Of, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there should be a difference in how we respond to life situations. Uh, when, when, when something comes on in your life, there ought to be somebody that's looking across the aisle at you, amen, from your job, and they go, man, I don't know how they're doing it. Amen. Instead of going, yeah, that's exactly what I would do. I'd flip out just like they're flipping out. I'd stress out just like they're stressing out. Uh, we should have a different response. Jesus is saying it is unbecoming a, a person that is part of the kingdom of God to allow themselves to be strangled by stress and anxiety and worry because we have a king in this kingdom. See, we got a father and we got a king. That father loves us, will take care of us and provide for us. We got a king. He's not like the president. He's not like the government. They keep failing. They keep shutting down. But this kingdom will never shut down. This government will keep growing. This king takes care of his subjects. He takes care of his servants. He provides. This kingdom's not bankrupt. This kingdom's not in debt. This kingdom's been taken care of. This kingdom is always going forward. This kingdom's always going up. And you got a king. And finally, in the third verse, he declares that anxiety is ultimately worry and anxiety is unfruitful. Everybody say unfruitful. Let me help somebody that's addicted to worry and stress and anxiety. It's doing nothing for you. I, I just want, well, it just makes me feel better. No, it makes you think you're in control, and it's a cyclical thing. You think you're in control because you're taking control of, of I'm going to be worried about this, I'm going to be stressed about this, and what does it do? It produces more worry and more stress. It does nothing for you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him worry does nothing for you. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him stressing out does nothing for you. Ask your neighbor, say, can you change anything by stressing about it? You can't. Hallelujah. You can't change anything by stressing about it. You can't change anything. I've never met anybody change nothing by worrying about it, stressing about it, chewing their fingernails over it. Hey, and I'm not preaching this as if I've got it all figured out. I've been in the same boat as everybody else in this building. I've not prayed about it. I've not trusted God about it. I took it under my control, and I thought I was going to ha somehow have a better outcome than if I just gave it to God, and I realized real quick nothing was changing. Nothing was getting better. I was just getting worse. Oh, somebody give God some praise. Listen, listen. Worry and stress is not changing anything for the positive. Amen. If I could correct my statement, worry and change, worry and, and anxiety and stress does do something. It makes things worse. You ever, you ever caught somebody flustered at the, at the job and they're dealing with a problem and it's a real simple problem and you're above them and you can see how to fix it and you're like, man, this is so simple, but they're so flustered, they don't know what to do and they just end up making it worse and worse and worse. Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody ever been that? I've been that before. Where I just so stressed up in my own mind, I don't know what to do. So I start thinking there's no solution. But all it takes is another pair of eyes where somebody's not emotionally invested. And they come alongside and they go, oh, yeah, just fix right there. You know, when you're dealing with somebody like that, you you. You, you can't help somebody that's in that position. And God wants to help people, but they're so busy freaking out that God, God's like, listen, I'm going to wait until you're done throwing a tantrum about this, and then I'm going to come in and help you. Because somebody that's so emotionally attached and invested to their worry and their anxiety, you want to help them, but you can't. 
You know, they say uh, uh, when, you're, when you're studying to become a lifeguard, they say if somebody's drowning, you go out and you save them. But if they're flailing, you get away from them because they'll pull you under the water as well. They'll drown you. You think you're saving them, but they'll drown you. That's exactly how worry is. When somebody just, they won't trust God, give it to God and say, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I'm not very happy about what's going on. Nothing wrong with having emotions, but putting them in their proper place. I'm going to stop flailing about it, and I'm going to start praying about it. You can't help somebody when they're flailing. you got to come alongside them and say, listen, I want to help you, but you're going to have to stop freaking out about this. Uh, you're going to have to start praying about this. And when you start praying about this, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Let's stand across the building. Amen. Tomorrow takes care of itself. Do you know every bit of worry and stress? Do you know if you, if you worry and stress and get the worst outcome going? Where, you know, I know I know I got some pessimists in the house of the Lord. I'm going to help you here today. Hallelujah. You've already figured out how many ways it's going to go wrong. But let me challenge you. It is an act of faith. This is why it's a habit. Learning to trust God is a habit that you must gain. Because it's an exercise of a muscle that has probably become atrophied in your life. When you can tell me within five minutes every way it can go wrong, but you can't tell me in an hour one way it can go right. <laughs> You've atrophied your muscle. You need to stretch that muscle called trust. Says, Lord, all right, let's start working this out. Because at the end of the day, I can stress about it. I can worry about it. And I get to tomorrow. And tomorrow will be what tomorrow will be. And there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me, let me put it this way. No man has promised tomorrow. I would love to live for many, many more years. I would thank God for that. But if I drop dead tomorrow, there's nothing I can do about it today. And so I'm going to do, and Jesus is literally saying, this is fruitless. Why are you going to stress out and worry about tomorrow? He said tomorrow, he said tomorrow will take care of itself. He said tomorrow is full of all sorts of opposition and opportunity. It's got all this stuff. And, and no matter what you do, I just want to help us here today. Nobody in this building is a time traveler. I know you might think you are. But that's what you do when you're stressing out. You start time traveling. You start going into a potential future. But at the end of the day, let's just put it this way. If it all's going to fall apart, and you're doing all the input right. We already clarified that. You're doing all the input. It's all going to fall apart. You stressing about it and losing joy today will not do anything to affect tomorrow. If, if a trial is coming in your life, Job, Job didn't know he was about to lose everything in a matter of a couple days. But what if Job spent his whole day, the day before, stressing out about it? He'd have still lost everything. Instead, Job, go spend time with your kids. Come on, somebody. Just what if I lose? What, what, if, I, what if I die tomorrow? Well, then do what you got Use, use what God has given you now. If you've got health in your body, give God praise. If you're alive today, do something with the life God has given to you. Well, what if, what if this happens and what if that happens? What if it does? What if it doesn't? What are you going to do with today? Are you going to just spend today paralyzed and fear doing nothing but stress and worry and anxiety? Amen. If you do die tomorrow, don't make today miserable. Hallelujah. I'm just being real with somebody. The opposite of anxiety and worry is not calm. Some people think it's, it's peace. If I just had peace, I wouldn't be stressed and anxious. 
That is not the opposite. That is not the answer to anxiety and worry. The answer to anxiety and worry is a word called trust. Trust is something we need and we've got to learn. Trusting God does not come naturally. It is a habit that must be formed. And in the middle of forming the habit of trust, you are breaking the bad habit of worry. It is a mutual deal. Trust in God is something we learn to do and we are challenged to do every single day. When we feel anxious or stressed out, it is God's way of giving us an opportunity to strengthen the muscle called trust. Oh God, why do I have to go through all this? Because if you don't go through it, you'll never learn to trust Him. But if you'll go through it, you'll strengthen that muscle called trust. Trust is always required in moments of uncertainty. Wouldn't it be great to say, I trust him when I already know the outcome? Yeah, Lord, I trust you. You know, it's kind of like, we don't believe in the Powerball, but it's like knowing the numbers of the Powerball and, uh, and knowing the answer is right. And then you, you play and you know, ah, oh, I'm going to win. It don't matter. That's not how that works. It's, it's not knowing. It's not knowing how it's going to turn out. It's not knowing the outcome and saying, Lord, regardless of whether I know it or not, I trust the one that does know it all. It is invaluable it is valuable in moments of uncertainty. If you and I knew the outcome beforehand, we are not trusting God. We are trusting in the outcome. When we don't know the outcome, we are just trusting in God that God's going to make it happen. Amen. The opposite of anxiety and worry is not calm. It's not peace. It's trust. Amen. Let me give somebody a biblical example. They're in the middle of the sea. The water is coming over the boat. See, there's no problem with the boat being in the water, but there's a big problem when the water starts getting in the boat. Amen. There's nothing wrong with external things. Just don't let them become internal. Hallelujah. And Peter and all the brethren are, are just bailing water as hard as they can. That's them worrying and stressing. But you want to know what trust looks like? Jesus is at the bottom of the boat taking a nap. He's, just take, he's snoring. I, I believe the Lord snored. I don't know. But hallelujah. He's just taking a nap. And they're up all night worrying and stressing. Listen, if Jesus is sleeping on it, you don't need to worry about it. If Jesus is saying, hey, don't worry about these things, what he's trying to tell you is, I already saw the outcome. You'll be just fine. And they, they went from worry, and somebody got a bright idea. Well, you know what? This worry is not helping nothing. We're bailing water, and we keep sinking. And Jesus, somebody go wake up Jesus. They wake up Jesus, and he stretches. He's like, man, leave me alone. I'm getting a good nap. Lord, don't you care that we perish? Don't you love us? And he said, yeah, I love you. And I'm on this boat, and I don't plan on sinking anytime soon, and you ain't going to sink. Listen, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost ain't sinking anytime soon. <laughs> Jesus has never lost a battle. He doesn't plan on starting with you. He's never failed. He doesn't start, he doesn't plan on, well, I'm going to fail with this person. You just let Jesus take a nap on that boat. And they wake him up and say, Lord, don't you care that we perish? We're going to die. We're going to drown. And Jesus just stretches, gets out on the bow of the boat. You need more faith. Peace be still. Could you believe that? How many Now, we see that with Peter. We're like, man, yeah, because we know the outcome. You should have just trusted. But how many times have you and I been in a struggle where we don't know the outcome and it feels like the water's pouring in the boat? 
and, 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 you, and you lose the job, you lose the car, you lose that. Everything starts falling apart. You don't know what to do, and you just think the water's going to take me down. It's in that moment we got to be like Peter where it says, all right, we tried bailing. It hasn't happened. It hasn't worked. Somebody talk to Jesus. Uh, amen. When you don't know what to do, you got to get on your knees and start praying and saying, Lord, I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. Whew. The Bible says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. You know what understanding looks for? The outcome, the way, the direction, every step. God, label it for me. And God says, no, that's not how it's going to work. You trust in me with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and I will direct your paths. I'll make it. See, you don't know every step of the way, but if you will trust me and acknowledge me in every step of the way, I'll make sure I, I let you know what the next step is. Amen. This is what the Bible is talking about. Amen. When it starts saying, amen, be anxious, stressed out, and worried for nothing, but pray about everything. What does it look like to trust the Lord? Trust says, God, I don't have the answers. I don't even like what I'm going through right now, but I know where to go and I don't know what to do. I'm going to go to Jesus, and I'm going to talk with Jesus about it. You know, <laughs> in studying for this message, I had to repent myself. Because I found, yes, that's right, even the pastor repents, praise God. I have to say, Lord, there's been so many times where I've, I've taken uh, the church and said, it's, you know, it's my responsibility. My church, I'm the pastor, i got to, and, and I start trying to control the outcome. And I get worried and stressed out because it's not happening the way I wanted it to or thought it should. And I had to repent and say, Lord, this is your church. I just work here. This is your church. This is your kingdom. I'm just a citizen. I'm just part of it. Amen. This is your show. I'm just the guy turning the lights around. I'm just the guy in the background. Amen. Let me help you here today. When you recognize that your life is not about you, there's more to your life than you. Amen. It's about God getting glory out of you. You can step out and say, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. Lord, you take control. When you start to worry, remember, worry is the thief of joy, but trust in God multiplies joy. Remember, when you start to worry, worrying wastes precious time and energy, but trust spares us those precious resources. Remember, when you start worrying, amen, life is more than necessities. Well, if you worry about the house, the car, the job, the bills, all those things, amen, those are things you've got to work towards and you've got to work on, but you don't need to stress about them. Amen, don't miss out on the true meaning of life, and that is serving Jesus and worshiping him forever. Remember, amen, if God takes care of the birds which are small, he can take care of of you. If he pays attention to the little things, he pays attention to you. Amen. Remember this one thing when you are worried and stressed out, and this is more than a cliche, more than a Hallmark card. This is more than something you can put on a Facebook post. Uh, amen. God is in control. Somebody give God some praise. Somebody lift up your hands and declare it. God is in control. Come on, maybe you've been in control for a long time, but I want you to declare it. God is in control. God is sovereign. God is above all. God is through all. God is in us all. Amen. He is God. I am not. It's in God's hands, not my hands. It's in God's control, not my control. Lord, you take care of what I can't take care of. Lord, you take care of what I'm worried about. Lord, you take care of what I'm stressed about. Cast all your cares upon him. 
I want to open up this altar. Would you come? We're going to take a moment and reevaluate. Maybe there's some things in your life. I want you to come and pray. We're going to pray today. Maybe there's some things in your life where you have said, Lord, I, I, I've been taking the, the, the driver's seat on this one. I've been in control of this one, but Lord, today I'm going to lift up my hands, and God, I'm going to surrender to you my control. Come on, I want you to lift up your voice as we begin to pray. Come on, all across this house. I want to learn to trust in Jesus. It's not something that happens overnight, but it's something we work on. It's something we pray about. Every time I'm worried, I really need to pray. Every time I'm stressed out, I really need to talk to God about it. Every time I'm stressed out and worried, I just need to hit my knees and begin to pray. And Lord, even if I don't know what you're doing, I need to trust that you're doing something. Come on, that's it all across this building. Let's pray. Doesn't take a trophy to make you Come on, that's it all across this building. Somebody lift up your voice. Right now, right where you are, why don't you tell God about what you've been struggling with? Why don't you tell God about what you've been stressing over? Why don't you tell God what you've been worried about, what's been keeping you up at night? You'd be shocked. He'll understand you. You'll be shocked. He'll make a way for you. You'll be shocked. He'll give you an answer right now. Come on, that's it, brothers and sisters. Put it in Jesus' hands. Come on, lay it down at his feet. Come on, get, get it out of your hands and get it into God's hands. I trust you today, Jesus. I trust you today, Jesus. You're in control. Give him control. Let go.
Come on, let's take a few more minutes and let's pray. Right now, there's some folks that you need to lay some things down at Jesus' feet and say, Lord, you need to take care of this because I've tried and it has not worked. I have I have worried about it. I have stressed about it and it hasn't changed one bit. But, God, I'm going to put it in your hands tonight. Come on, that's it. Somebody pray. Lift up your voice. You need to put your family in Jesus' hands. You need to put your finances in Jesus' hands. You need to put your future in Jesus' hands. You need to put your health in Jesus' hands. You, God, I'm putting it in your hands. I've tried to control it. I've tried to manipulate it. I've tried to make it happen and make it work. But, God, I put it in your control. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands all across this building. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship the Lord. Oh, God, we've dealt with the spirit of heaviness on Sunday. And today, God, we're dealing with worry and stress, God. And we're laying it down at your feet. And I'm believing that the people of God are about to become unburdened. Unburdened by certain things that have held them back for so long. And Jesus, I'm believing that you're going to bring about a great deliverance, God, when we lay things at your feet, not to be picked up again. Hallelujah. Transferring ownership of my worries and my stresses, my anxieties, God, I'm putting them in your hands. Amen. You know, when we, when we choose not to trust, because let me help somebody, trusting is a choice. It's a choice. You, you, you've got to remember, you always have a choice. Don't let the devil tell you you don't have a choice. Don't let life tell you you don't have a choice. Don't let past experiences and hurts tell you you don't have a choice. You always have a choice. Trust is a choice. So is worry and stress. Now, the initial feeling, that comes like any other feeling and emotion. But whether it stays or not is up to you. Do I let it stay in the house? Amen. You know, there's some folks that if a rabid dog came by, they'd let it in. That's how worry and stress and anxiety is. You don't have to open the door to everything. You don't have to let everything in. Just understand that. You know, when we're worried and stressed, what's happening? What's really happening? We love control too much. That's really what it is. We, we, could, we could boil it all the way down, forget the fruit of worry, stress, and anxiety. Let's go down to the root. Let's put the ax there. You and I that want to worry, stress, and be anxious, we love control. We want power. We want control. 
We want to have, have the authority over it. But when we relinquish that to God, say, Lord, you're the one that's in control. Again, I take care of the input, but you take care of the outcome. I can't, I can't control that. I'll do what I need to do. I'll pray. I'll fast. I'll work. I'll preach. You put your category in there. But, Lord, I'm putting it in your hands. And when we choose to trust, we're literally saying, Lord, you are God, and I am not. Your ways are above my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And, Lord, I don't always see the route that I'm taking I don't always see it from that aerial view. But God, I'm going to trust you in this moment that you know exactly what you're doing. And how do you trust? Trust is when you relinquish that control. All right. I'm going to give it to the Lord right now. Would you lift up your hands one more time? Jesus, we love you. We thank you today. It is our desire to learn to trust you. I know many through the years have claimed that they do trust you. Some actually have trusted you. At times I have claimed I trust you, but, Lord, my actions and my thought process was different. And, Lord, I pray today, God, that you would deliver us of feeling like we have to control it all. We have to do it all on our own. But, God, give us a revelation that to trust in you will give us joy that to trust in you will give us peace. It doesn't mean that the storm goes away. It doesn't mean that everything changes. It doesn't mean that everything becomes calm. But what it does is you calm the storm inside of us. And God, you calm the mindset and you calm the heartbeat, God. We give you glory, Jesus. And I'm praying, Lord, as we walk this journey, God, help us to develop that strong habit of trusting in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Shake hands. Be friendly. Love one another. Amen. Tell him I love you. I'm glad to see you at church today in Jesus' name. Praise God.